175, New York. We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, two of them. Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. Welcome back to Americanized, a podcast that explores a topic central to United States and how it influences the globe. I'm your host, Shafi Hussein, and today we're looking at September 11 attacks and its impact with one of the best working comedians right now, your friend, my friend, Joel Est. He just had a Comedy Central special drop free on YouTube that you should definitely look into. It's one of the funniest specials of 2020. And obviously, Joe has two other brilliant podcasts, one with Mark Norman called Tuesdays with Stories and one where he explores anxiety meditation in his new podcast called Mindful Metal Jacket. I had so much fun talking with Joe in his podcast, Mindful Metal Jacket, that you should definitely check out. This episode has a lot of personal anecdotes from Joe. We explore a timeline to 9-11 and the following laws and legislations that were passed and its impact. Obviously, this was one of the biggest tragedies in the U.S. history, but it also had such a drastic impact that we are still feeling today i hope you guys enjoy the episode i i love that joe you when i asked you hey what do you want to talk about you you're like oh let's talk about buddhism or 9-11 you know that's a, <laughs> the two heightened contrasting ever it's like no one's like oh yeah i i like yoga meditation and genocide to be fair, in my defense, it is 9-11 season. Uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, it might have been 9-11 or it was a couple of days before. I don't know what day that was, but it was right around there. And uh, it is something I love talking about. Now, it's tricky because you're an immigrant, so I feel bad being like, how about we talk about 9-11? But you're a smart guy who knows a lot of things. You have a lot of wisdom and you have different perspective. So it is interesting to talk to um, uh, someone that that seems very knowledgeable on a lot of topics because it is a fascinating topic. And uh, this time of year, I always sort of uh, dive back in because there's, there's certain shows on or certain you know documentary or you see posts and you start remembering where you were and all that stuff. And it's um, the most monumental event of our life. I mean, COVID is also insane and wild, but... Um, that was such an amazing level. And also it was sort of pre-social media and everything and, and not quite as divided. N now I feel like if 9-11 can happen, not to just jump right into the topic, if 9-11 happened now, I feel like within a few hours, people would be screaming at each other, where at that time it was quite united for at least a couple of weeks, it felt like. Mm. Do you think people would be screaming in what way do you think that's going to? Well, at this point, and I might be just crazy about this, at this point, it feels like, and maybe this is because of social media or I'm in some sort of bubble, it feels like a lot of people, like Trump people or, or certain people, wouldn't even give a shit. It would be like, yeah, that's right, 
you fucking liberal cities, they deserve it. Like, I mean, when COVID was happening, you saw a lot of, got a lot of vibe of like, it's happening to those cities. Even yesterday at the time of recording this, Donald Trump was at a, a, a press conference or whatever. And he was saying, if, if not for the blue states, we'd be doing better than anybody. This is mostly blue states run by blue states. So the divide is even there talking about mass death. And that's the president. That's not the internet. That's the president of the United States saying, look at how bad these blue states are doing. That's what the problem is. So I feel like there would be large chunks of people being like, New York. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, that's they deserve it. That's crazy. But like, I feel like 9-11 is so monumental. And I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because there's so much to talk about. And especially uh, from someone who grew up in Bangladesh, it was very different than someone who was, you know, uh, raised in Massachusetts. Uh, you, right. you were in Mass at the time, I'm assuming. Um, so, so like, tell me how, where you were and how you felt. What was the perception around you at the time when it happened? Okay, so I was, yeah, I was 19 and living in Massachusetts at my parents' house. And I had just started doing comedy. But at the time, I graduated high school, was doing comedy, and I had no day job. So my life was basically, I would go to like an open mic. and I lived in the suburbs in Whitman, Mass., like 40 minutes south of Boston. So every once in a while, I would, every couple nights, I would go, every few nights here and there, I would go and do an open mic. Uh, in Boston and if not I would just hang out with my buddy Mike who was like another guy that wasn't in college and we would drink or uh, listen to music just drive around I mean this is pre-smartphones obviously and so um, yeah we just kind of cruise around I I was kind of it felt relatively aimless because I was just starting stand-up comedy Um, so I only had a couple open mics to do I, I didn't have real work and I think I didn't even have a job at that point like because i yeah i'm trying to think oh maybe no i did i bar i, I had a bartending gig I, monday nights i bartended so that was my whole that was my only job was i bartended once a week lived at home and um i think i had bartended the night before and i was still in bed because it was morning i think it was you know eight forty seven or something like that east coast time and my sister still lived at home also, and she woke me up after the second plane had hit and just like knocked on the door, opened the door. I was in a sleep, and she said, I remember well, the first thing she said was, they're shooting at the World Trade Center. They are shooting at the World Trade Center. And I was like, what? And I don't even, I'm not even sure how she thought that or what. Like Maybe somebody had called and said something, but it was just they're shooting at the World Trade Center, and I said, okay, and then we went into my parents' room, turned on the TV, and we just started watching. The second, both planes had hit at that time, but even then, even after two had hit, it was still that sort of thing of, like, what's going on? Is this a signal malfunction? Whatever. And, um, you know, it was terrifying, and then slowly it, it developed from there. So that was sort of the weird feeling, and I only told one person. I called my girlfriend at the time, who was at Bentley College, and she was the only one that I gave the said the news to. I was like, "Hey, you got to turn on the TV. There's this crazy thing happening in New York." Um, and she was like, "Oh, okay." And um, that was pretty much how it started. At least that was the initial feeling, at least. Hmm. And did you cry? Do you remember crying? No, I don't. No, I didn't cry. I mean, but I I don't cry very often. I have emotional <laughs> connection problems. But this is weird, and maybe this is skipping ahead a little bit, or we'll be all over the place or back and forth, but I have a 
uh, sort of a interesting anecdote about the that day is I had a two two things two little like interesting anecdotes was one I had a page a day calendar at the time it was like sports trivia and like every day you'd rip it and it'd be some sports fact and I didn't realize until like two months later that I woke up one day and I looked over at it and it was on it was still September 11th I had stopped ripping it just subconsciously it wasn't like I was like I want to remember 9-11 it was just like this thing of Life had changed so dramatically that I would start waking up and going to look at the paper or the news and had just completely forgot to tear my page-a-day calendar, which I thought was interesting. And another weird or interesting anecdote is that when I was a kid, somebody convinced me that someone was... I do a bit about it that you saw, I think. Someone convinced me that someone would be hiding behind the shower curtain my whole life. So whenever I went into the bathroom, I would always pull the shower curtain back and look to see if anyone was in there. And I did that every time I went to the bathroom for like, I don't know, 15 years, from like the age of like five until I was 17 or 18 maybe. And I hadn't done it for like three years. And that night I remember going into the bathroom after watching the news all day and checking behind the shower curtain. It was this weird uh, like subconscious thing that like I had been brought back to my childhood of being afraid of a man behind the shower curtain. And I remember just being really freaked out and like looking back there as though like, you know, bin laden was going to be sitting in my bathtub but it was a weird moment of like man i haven't done that in a really long time uh and thinking so it was certainly was jarring and um an emotional time i do not remember crying certainly not that day i just remember being like holy shit this is fucking crazy that kind of thing and the mood was similar to everyone around you i'm assuming yeah it was just shocking and again like i can't imagine how different it would be now with twitter and face because we would have just been like sucked into facebook and twitter and trying to find all these crazy theories it was just sitting there watching the news all day like i was an eight we were in abc news family peter jennings was our guy and so you just sat there and watched peter jennings for whatever 12 hours and my parents came home eventually and then all four of us just sat there watching the news like literally for 10 hours straight um, and there's one, oh, here's one more interesting uh, anecdote from that night was my friend Mike Robinson and I, we'd always, all we would ever do is just drive around in our car listening to music. And we just a few days earlier, I don't know if it was the night before or a couple days earlier, we had driven to the beach in Marshfield, Mass. And we were sitting on the beach. And this sounds like made up or something. Like we were just sitting there talking about how many planes were in the sky. It was like so crazy. We were like, this is insane. I'm like, how is... And we had this long philosophical conversation that we were big into that thing we'd be like what is life and all this you know that kind of shit when you're 20 and uh we were making note of how many planes we were like where do you think they're going how many planes are there how many people and we were there like a couple nights later and of course at that point they had grounded all planes and it was such a fascinating contrast to be sitting there being like there's zero plane there are absolute nothing no planes whatsoever um so those are a few memorable things from that day and when did you pick up stand-up again was that was that on hiatus for a bit it was weird because at that point like i said i was like such an open mind well i guess i had been doing comedy for just about a year so i knew some people and some comics and i remember going to the comedy connection a few weeks later or a couple weeks later, and they had like an American flag on the mic stand. And I also remember at that time, I would go down to New York every couple 
every few weeks, a couple of months to go do a bringer show. Like I would do some show and I remember being at New York Comedy Club not long after that. Maybe January oh two, I think. Def- I was definitely there in January of oh two. So maybe it was like three months later I went back to New York. And so comedy felt like it was kind of back in full swing. It didn't take long for comedy, but again, like I was a little bit removed because I was an open mic comic. So I remember like maybe a week or two weeks later going to the open mic, but it wasn't an open mic that had a lot of audience anyways. It was just kind of like a bunch of comics standing around going, this is crazy or whatever. What about in terms of um, jokes? Have you ever tried any 9-11 jokes in your stand-up? Or what are your thoughts on that idea? I haven't really. I never... um not like, you know, not like making fun of the victims itself, but like just like the, you know, different ideas related to it. What happened, you know, post with the axis of evil speech. Because of the axis of evil speech is one of the most like um, monumentous thing I had seen because right. Bush came on TV and he's like, you know, the axis of evil is uh, Iraq, Iran and North Korea. None of the attackers are from those countries which blows right. my mind to this day. And it's like Iraq and Iran, Iran are so similar and North Korea is not even for, like similar to the, it's just like through a name. It's like someone you hate, you know, like if you go to a protest and you're trying to like ask for rights, it's like, oh yeah, I want equal rights, equal pay. And also like, can someone kill my ex-boyfriend? You know, it's like, <laughs> right. it's like, oh, why did you just say that? It has nothing to do with what, what happened. So like, did you like what? What is your what is your I guess thought process when it comes to tragedies and you know jokes related to it? Um, I'm just your in your opinion, what is that? Yeah, so I never really did. I mean, at that time, again, I was so new and a weak, so I would I wouldn't even like try to um, do it at that point. And now, not really either. Now with podcasts, like I, I have like extremely irreverent sense of humor <laughs> so i mean hanging out in person my friends we made some jokes probably that night and, and your group of friends because you're like and this is like a whole other topic maybe even like but i'm like i never want to offend anybody but people i'm comfortable with that i know have the same sense of humor we're like you know you spend hours talking about the tragedy of it and how horrible it is and then you know maybe someone goes yeah but yeah but it would do or whatever <laughs> about so and you go ah, that's hilarious. it breaks the tension that's always been my sense of humor. Like I make jokes at my grandfather's funeral or whatever it is. Um, you know, Sarah's dad passed away and like we're able to make jokes, not like that's hilarious, that he, but some jokes around it. So I have no problem with people making jokes about it or around it. I remember Louis had that joke um, where he said, you know how good of a person you are by how much time before you masturbated after the 9 11 he said mine was before the second tower fell i mean i think that's a great joke and zach galvanakis says one of my favorite jokes ever where people say where were you on 9 11 he says what year mm. uh <laughs> i mean like to me i'm like that's an amazing joke which which to me i mean that joke to me has no <laughs> real even affiliation with the tragedy <laughs> it's just like right i mean right that joke to me is like obvious is like you know obviously when yeah, nine eleven means something. No one thinks, but the uh, also what's funny about that joke to me is the idea that he has an answer for nine eleven nineteen ninety five. Yeah, know? yeah. 
Like he might he might know where he was on September 11th, 1988. Yeah, yeah. So if it was his birthday, he might. You know what I mean? If it's someone's birthday, you might know where you were in the year before because you might have like, a restaurant in mind that you went to or a Disney World vacation trip. Right. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, so I never tried it. I've never been as far as stand up. I have never been uh, big into. I'm gonna really take this on on stage because I'm not interested in. Uh, in offending anybody right um whereas like i said jokes in my group of friends of comedians who have six sense of humor i'm 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 fine with it and i'm fine with comedians doing bits about it but it, you know it's got to be strong or they're gonna the audience kind of dictates what happens with that stuff you'll f- you'll figure it out if it's good or not eventually right but yeah i didn't do any uh material about it at all i just kind of was like and and that thing for me, and maybe times have changed or my opinion changed. That thing to me, it felt like comedy was really like, let's get away from all the news and all the shit. Let's go watch a stand-up show. And that felt like, let's do some relationship jokes. I know a lot of people had jokes about Bin Laden and why can't we catch him and, and fuck that guy. He's a pe- whatever that kind of angle was. And um, there was a lot. I remember my friend PJ Thibodeau had a, a funny joke about his mother confuses names and she said, you know, they think it was Oksana Bayul, who was like the big uh, figure skater at that time. Like she confused Osama bin Laden and Oksana Bayul. So I feel like jokes like of that, that kind of joke was was great at that time. But people were like, we got to get this piece of shit. He's fucking whatever. You know, that was, those were like, kill. I remember people would be like, Argh. you know, that kind of shit. But it is, it is fascinating though, because like, um, you know, you talk about the divide in the country right now, but Osama was this figure who actually united the country. Right. So did you have any, I guess, Muslim friends growing up or anyone who is from that faith? And how was, like, what did you, what was the perception right after? Was there like a rampant Islamophobia or like what was going on around you in that in in that aspect? No, so I, I mean... I don't think there was any Muslim people in my school. If there were, I certainly didn't know about it. I mean, that was my introduction to Muslim. Oh, like, I, wow. I didn't, or Islam, or... Yeah. I mean, I grew up in a small town. That's a, by the it, way, that's a, that's a bad introduction to anything. <laughs> that's like the worst <laughs> introduction to anything you can have. I mean, my family was not religious at all, so I had no, I mean, very basic, like, I knew... When I was growing up, people went to uh, church and CCD, which I think is some kind of Catholic school. I don't even know what that is. Some kind of Catholic thing. Mm. Um, I didn't really know what the difference between Protestant and Catholics, which was everyone in my school was one of those two things. Mm. And I think maybe there was like a couple Jewish kids in my school. Uh, But even that, like I knew about judaism from woody allen and seinfeld of like okay these are jews and i guess they're (laughs) funny i don't i don't know much about like nobody in my family thought about religion or belief or faith or taught us anything right and i sort of learned about i mean it's it's it sounds ignorant of course but it's like that's what small town america it was mostly white it was maybe four black kids in my school and maybe you know one asian kid and it's mostly irish and, and italian kids or descent and I've been watching the news and being like, okay, they're Muslim in the name of Islam. Islam and Muslim, are those the same things? I don't really know. Like, So yeah, so I didn't know anything about that. And honestly, I didn't really until I moved to New York and started hanging out with comics and a much more diverse group of people and then wanting to know more 
about the world and the news myself. It wasn't until I was in like my mid twenties before I started really understanding like Israel and Palestine and this stuff. Like I was just was not interested in that. Nobody around me was interested in that. My family never had any conversation about any kind of politics or religion or spirituality whatsoever. I mean, that was all, I had nothing of any knowledge of that. And what has, has that changed over the years now? Like looking back, did you have any, any perceptions that has evolved? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like I remember saying that night and getting some flack and maybe that's, I'm like, I'm just naturally sort of, uh, um, lean left even before being into politics but i remember saying that night going what like having this thing and it turned into a situation where i was like boy what it, we have, we must have done something crazy like what are you and i was asking like what do you think it is that we're doing hmm. that they have all this footage like clearly these people spent a lot of time and energy and effort to kill as many Americans as possible. And then they would have footage of people wherever they were celebrating and, and jumping in the street and firing guns in the air. And my thing, which, you know, Richard Gere famously said similar stuff at the Boston, at the Madison Square Garden and they booed him off stage and they fucking people hated him. Because at that time there was not much room for dialogue of like, hey, what are we doing? This seems... Right. Some, something's up. Something America is doing is causing this people to go let's fucking kill these people and celebrate about it you know so that was definitely um on my mind but that was not going over well particularly in that that night and the next day and the next day people were not really interested in hearing about that and i remember i had a the same thing that bill maher who i love got in trouble for on politically incorrect i had that discussion with my aunt i remember my aunt betty who i did a bit about her same, same Aunt Betty that told me about Psycho. Um, I remember her saying, you know, they were using this word cowardly, these cowardly acts. And I remember, again, and also I guess I'm a bit of a, um, what do you call that when you argue with everybody? Uh, contrarian. Yes, I guess I'm a bit of a contrarian. I mean, I like having discussions, but I remember her calling it cowardly, and I'm like, I don't know about cowardly. I mean, like, they sacrificed themselves to fight in this. I mean, is is that really cowardly and again it's like i wasn't like pro al-qaeda i was just like i mean uh, from their perspective i don't know if it's it's particularly cowardly if they're willing to do that and cowardly would be a drone strike you could make an argument is cowardly or firing a missile from across the ocean right um and i remember that not going well either oh you did that as a bet or as a, just like a discussion no no just in a conversation with right, family right, right. members yeah. and it getting kind of heated and being right. like shit but also, when you're 20, you're naive. Right. And I was just being like, why is she getting upset? I thought we were just having a dialogue. Right, here. right. So that's very interesting, right? Because And that is so true, right? When you see something on TV for that long, and for most small town country America, that's the introduction to Islam, right? Because that's what they have been told. And obviously, I'm not practicing myself, but it's 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 sad to see that kind of... Uh, hatred and anger towards like entire group of people, and that obviously rose uh, to uh, to to the extreme height after the after post nine eleven. And there's like so many comics obviously covered that already, and I don't want to go through that. Like they had like the Axis of Evil tour uh, with Ahmed Ahmed and all of that, com all of those comics, and 
uh, Hassan Minaj and Rami and all of them have like so many bits who grew up in this country. I wasn't even here, but I've like grew up watching them do do bits about them. And like Sikhs were uh, persecuted, like people with turbans, like that's like how ignorant people were because like that's how um it was introduced like it's like getting introduced to germany right after the second world war it's like oh yeah that's what they do that's what they're all about it's it's hitler right they don't talk about that they make beautiful cars you know they wouldn't cover that in the documentary which is which is upsetting um because they do have good cars i i guess now uh i wanted to bring the discussion towards like so now that we are in this time of, of covid and you know you were probably going on tour and you'll take f- flights do you think you were more afraid of taking flights post 9-11 or now like what is what is the and based on other comics you have discussed that does that ever come up interesting well it's interesting because um i hadn't really thought about that but back then i wasn't flying too much like i had probably been on boy maybe like three flights in my life at that point maybe less i mean i I had not flown very much at that point nor was i flying where now in regular life i was flying every single week so um yeah i hadn't thought about that i've flown now twice i mean to one city and back so two flights since covid and I've read a bunch of things that the flights aren't too bad because they move the air or some kind of circulation or whatever the hell. And it doesn't seem like it's been horrible and they're putting space between the things. And so I'm not too, too concerned about flying now. Um, 9-11, I remember there being a lot. I mean, they did so many security changes, obviously. Um, but the first time flying after that, I didn't, I just didn't, COVID is, is scary to me because it, to me it's, it's, it's here and it spreads and it's a thing. 9-11 felt like a crazy event that you're grateful you weren't part of, but you're like, that probably is not going to happen again. And at the time I lived in Whitman, Massachusetts, so I was like, it's not going to happen here. Although there was f- a ton of fear that more stuff was going to happen. And then the anthrax thing happened, I think, a month later or a few weeks later. Mm. And that got scary. To me, my fear then is similar to the fear now is that everything's going to collapse. Like our economy is going to collapse. Our country is going to collapse. It wasn't necessarily a personal fear of like, I'm going to be killed by a terrorist, nor is it particularly a fear now that I'm going to die of COVID. It's this fear that um, the entire society will collapse the economy and, and there'll be, you know, gunfights in the streets and people, bread lines and all this crazy shit. So that it, it feels similar in that way. But I don't feel really too nervous about flying, maybe like a little like, oh, I wish, you know, whatever. And back then I wasn't flying too much, but I do remember my friend being like, do you still want to move to New York? And I remember being like, yeah, I don't, this is, yeah, I'll move to New York. I went to New York a few weeks later. I didn't feel a fear of moving to New York. In fact, it made me more drawn to New York of like, yeah, fuck yeah. Uh, I'm going to New York. Yeah. Mm. So and, and I don't know if that answered the question. No, it it does. And did you have like a uh, fear of terrorists, like being being in a place where you would get attacked by terrorists in the country? Not particularly. I mean, at that time, I had so much faith in that somebody was on it. Like now, it, with COVID, I don't feel that way <laughs> as much. Um, but I felt like at the time, and I, I didn't love that administration after, uh, once the war started, but at that time, I just felt like somebody's on it. The FBI is doing the thing. There's CIA, whatever is going on. But I, I remember it always being a topic. I remember I went to 
uh, Michigan Stadium for University of Michigan football game in o two August of o two. So just under a year later, and that stadium there was one hundred and seven thousand at that time, I think. And we were sitting there, and we were talking about you know this would be insane if they crashed a plane in here, which. Still happen. Those conversations still happen. Like, boy, you could take a truck here, you could take a car here. That's one of the things that 9-11 did to the the foundation of our country is like that's now a topic of conversation that everybody's thinking about. Where would I go? Where would I run to? Or if I were a terrorist, how, what I could do, I could I would get a car and come this way. I could take. So I remember that being part of it, but I don't. But maybe I misremember. I mean, I don't really remember having a big fear i do remember going to i was at the first red sox game after september 11th i think it was september 19th and i remember they did a flyover and i remember that making me really nervous because they didn't say hey we got a flyover you just kind of heard like that feel and the things were shaking and i remember everyone being like what the fuck is this right so that i do remember being like jesus like that was weird um you kind of were definitely on edge and it's sort of like um, copycat. Like you worry that like is someone else here? Are they? Uh, so I guess I guess now that I'm like kind of putting myself back there, there was that feeling of like boy, but I wasn't afraid enough not to go. I went to a concert two days later, and a baseball game a week later. So I wasn't too scared to go. But we were also being told at that time like go out, do the thing. That's the best thing to do. And we all sort of had that sense of like yeah, let's yeah. go. Right, right, right. You know. That's yeah. Like uh, you just mentioned that you know you were not like the biggest fans of the administration after they started the war, um, and I couldn't point to which war because they started a few. Uh, <laughs> um, so like I guess like post nine eleven, and now you're like you know you you have grown up to be such a wise man, genteel human being, and you have learned so much over the years. How do you think? post 9-11 has changed this country and in and the world like what are your thoughts what what do you think you have l- picked up along the years and then i'm gonna you know share some of the things that i think uh 9-11 has done to our society and the f- fabric of the planet um boy it's interesting it's hard to say i guess now i mean we're so like so much time has passed that it, you feel so removed and now so many things have happened since then like you had I mean, Trump feels like it has erased so much previous history. Everything just feels crazy. And I know a lot of people are making this joke, but like George Bush now feels like a guy that I'm like, I'd love to have George Bush president. And, you know, he's a war criminal and the anti-gay, all that stuff. But he felt like a guy that was like, I felt like he was misguided. A guy that had, you know, America's... um, he wasn't just looking out for himself, which it feels like Trump is. So that might be a side topic, and maybe I'll get shit for saying that. I'm sure <laughs> someone will be mad at me. But at the, but it's so it's it's hard to even put myself back there because now 20 years have passed. So the, this is what reality is for the last 20 years: is living in a post 9/11 world. Um, I think maybe it contributed to a lot of the divide and and how we should approach things. And it made more of a hatred for this liberalism. I think there's more disdain for the idea of liberalism. And I think maybe probably the other way around, too. There's more disdain for this, like, we're just going to occupy countries in red, white, and blue in the name. It, it definitely made both sides hate 
the other side more ultimately after because of the Iraq war and the Afghan war and all that stuff. I think that contributed. I think there's a lot of other factors to that also, though, that just aren't just 9-11. I've read a lot about that um, topic and that that kind of sells more as politicians, I think, too, of going that side's crazy. They're going to ruin the country. So it's not all that. But maybe that is maybe that also is 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 through 9-11. And the idea, I think, and maybe this went on before, of we can use this to sneak in some things that we want to put through, um, which maybe was always going on, but that felt like a big part of 9-11, of like, let's use this to kind of get these things done that we wouldn't have been able to do. Right. Um, so that feels like that. My day-to-day life, it's not really on my mind right. too much anymore. So it is hard to kind of have that perspective. I mean, I'm not a historian, so mm. it's difficult <laughs> to um, put in perspective. So when it comes to like, you know, like you brought up a few good points about the war and then they're trying to sneak things through the Congress or trying to pass policies that they have always wanted to but couldn't because they didn't have like a big event to like have that kind of change. Also, I love that you always have a Starbucks uh, a cup next to you, which is great because like I was watching the video you had shared with the museum a show that you're trying to sell, and you had a Starbucks like back in 2014 or 15. It's so fun to always see you. It's very on brand. Um, Thank you. It's it's my um, <laughs> safety blanket. Do you recycle this or do you have a new Starbucks every time you I go? I would rather not answer that question. <laughs> I feel like you're shaming me. No, I I reuse them quite a bit. <laughs> That's great, cause like if you recycle, you get like few cents off. You get like money, so it's like good. It's a yeah incentivized. It's yeah. Um. So the the idea of that um you're mentioning about sneaking things past the Congress. Um. What what are some of the conspiracy theories that you have heard uh, regarding nine eleven and believed, or not believed but entertained? I mean, the main one was the United ninety three. That that flight. That day, I remember being like, we fucking shot that plane down. That's what happened there. Um, and that's that's really the only conspiracy theory to me that seemed plausible and interesting to me at that time. Um, I've talked to people. I mean, I haven't done a deep dive or studies into it, but I've talked to people that are pragmatic and smart and be like, no, dude, no. I, I, and they had some kind of evidence. But the idea that we could like I, I remember hearing the jets had been scrambled the wrong way and they went off the coast and they were supposed to go one direction and that seemed strange to me that story the fact that it was sort of blown to you know smithery there was very little remains and it didn't seem insane for to to be like go up there and shoot that plane down before it goes wherever it's going so that that was the only theory to me that I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist for better or worse, but that seemed to me very plausible that we could have and would have scrambled some jets and been like, we got to take it out of the sky. That's the way it's going to have to be. Um, That one seemed pretty real. I didn't really get into like George Bush knew and let it happen. I think they, we're getting warnings and just ignore. I think it was more hubris, which is the name of a book that I read. So maybe that's why I'm saying that. Um, but I think it was more, um, what do you call it? Uh, ineptitude. Like they just fucked up. I don't, I don't think that my thing with conspiracy theory was like, wouldn't it have been a better conspiracy for them to have, if they were framing somebody to frame the Iraqis and been like, Iraq did this, 
now we're going to go to war with Iraq. And wouldn't it have been an easier conspiracy to have thwarted it right before? Like this was about to happen and we saved it instead of letting it happen. But the, so those are my kind of anti-conspiracy theories. <laughs> um, but that's that was about it. It seemed like just a real big fuck up on behalf of a bunch of people. So at the time, what was being shared as to why that might have happened? Like, what is the what is the uh, beginnings of this hatred towards America? And like, what was actually the conversation surrounding that? I feel like there wasn't much conversation. I mean, what was being pushed was they hate freedom. These people, they want, you know, um, they hate that they hate us because they ain't us was kind of the uh, the speech of like they hate that we have sex and that we're free loving and you know that's the sort of psychological thing is like we have it you have it so good here that they are mad about that there wasn't really a lot of like well we've been occupying their land so they're upset about that and again i don't want it to seem like i'm just like america's a piece of shit and we deserve what we got i'm just saying like that's no, but there's, but there's a nuance to that. You don't have to agree that America deserves what it got, but you can also criticize policies at the same time. Right. You know, you don't have to yeah, be like, oh, I you. deserve it, but but did we do something maybe that was not the best? You can also agree to that. You know, so like obviously that's a heinous thing that happened, and no one deserves to die. I think we all agree. In eight, 1989 is when the the CIA was helping the Al Qaeda, not Al Qaeda at the time, but Taliban fighters in Afghanistan to fight the Soviets because they wanted right. to get rid of the communists. Um, and this is like widely accepted. There's uh, papers that were declassified that the CIA kind of agrees that they have helped um, the uh, the Taliban at the time to fight communism because before the cold the Cold War era shaped so much of what we are part of right now it's uh, it's kind of insane because every episode i do and i learn more about more about like a central topic it always goes back to cold wars for some reason there's always a mention of cold war and nixon nixon is always part of it um, sure and so 89 is when kind of it's kind of started right so they they were w- weaponizing this uh, small militant groups um and osama was part of that and that when when uh, when they won against the Soviets, they had this newfound belief that if they can take take care of the Soviet army, then they can take care of the West as well, right? Right. And obviously, Israel Palestine has been a point of debate for you know since the since the since the split in the 40, 47, and then they had a war in sixty seven when uh, Israel kind of won the six day war, and then they kept occupying the land of Palestine, which is also known as Israel to some people, right? Which it is. Um, um, so, so one of the one of the one of the threats that they were making at the time is that you know, uh, the U.S. and Israel are like one of the big, like very the best allies, pretty much. Like they're the biggest allies. Um, um, also, there's like so many different reasons. I capture all of this in one of the earlier episodes where I talk about America's influence in the Israel and Palestine conflict. Because, like, I was always like amused by the fact that whenever you have a precedent, they always talk about the Israel-Palestine peace process. I'm like, who are? Why are you talking about this? But there's so much at stake if you look through the the UN resolutions and all of that. You figure out why it's it's uh it's so important to the American uh pol- pol- politics. Um, 
so that was kind of the reasoning that um, uh, the Al-Qaeda kind of showcased that if you don't uh, support Palestine's uh, right to freedom, then we will have to take some kind of a stance against the U.S. And there has been like situations like the, uh, the first incident was of this rabbi, uh, this radical rabbi. Radical rabbi sounds like a <laughs> sounds like a band name for some reason. I don't know why. It's uh, like a comic strip. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> radical rabbi in eighty nine, like nineties, he was like you know uh, spewing a lot of hate about Palestinians and uh, was saying that if you don't get rid of Palestinians from Israel, uh, Jewish people will keep dying. And there was like a lot of extreme uh, extreme uh, uh, language that was being used. And then he he his name is like Mayor Kahani who was uh, assassinated in 90. And that was the first, like, kind of, like, I don't know, Isla, um, uh, extreme Muslim versus extreme Jewish people kind of face-off in the U.S., which is which n- never really happened before, right? So that was kind of the, the initiation of everything because there was some um, extreme jihadists that kind of started being in the U.S. and st- started, like, spreading this jihad nonsense, um, that you have to like you know take on the West to kind of free your people in the Middle East. Um, so that was all ongoing because you had the Gulf War that was going on between Iraq, Iran, and then uh, uh, Bush Senior was at the time who was trying to um, uh, was was in control at the time. Um, I, but I re- is, is there is there something to that too? Because I remember hearing about or reading about that. Um, or I think I read about. I mean, I just. I got so into all this stuff at one point, mm. but I remember reading part of that also with with the um, the first Iraq War was that you know Bin Laden was still with the Saudis and in Saudi Arabia at that time, and then Iraq invaded Kuwait, and Osama was like, "We can kind of take care of this. We're we're able to take care of this." And then America said, "Now fuck you, we're coming in," and that was really. Um, pissed him off and upsetting is that did you find any of that in your research that yeah angle yeah yeah so yeah usama was at first allies and then not allies and that's when you know that's when they were um against them and uh they always wanted to have this kind of uh, bigger presence in 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 the middle they, they like some of the some of the extreme um uh, militants, their their point of view is that they want to unite um, the Muslim Brotherhood nation because they want to go back to the glory days, which is apparently the Ottoman Empire, when you know the Muslim and the Christians and Jews are all living in peace, and they were like really like if you look into the documents, they were uh, maybe not living in peace to like to the point where you want everyone to be, but they were more at peace than they are now, at least. Uh, in some parts of the places, um, so yeah, that is that is uh, very true. And in, in 1982, the Lebanon War, when Israel was at, attack, attacking Lebanon, and they were actually attacking like high-rise buildings in Lebanon, which was kind of the idea that Osama had. It's like, oh, I want to do something like this, and he pointed to the Lebanon War that when they were damaging. So that was kind of the initiation of uh, why they wanted to target the World Trade Centers. Um, and obviously, you you know about the 1993 bombing of the World Trade Center, which was another like you know crazy incident to happen. And it's it's interesting to see that uh, they did not um, increase security right after, right? Because like that's that's that happened eight years ago, which people don't really talk about as much, which is interesting because that was a that that's massive. It's like it's it's the same place you did that um, right. eight years ago. Um, 
and then 98 is when Osama came out and did this fatwa, which is just like an Islamic uh, scholar will do, but has no basis. It's like, oh, you go and k- start killing Americans wherever you can, which is just like ridiculous. Like, even if you say, like, it's it's insane to say that. Um, so they started, and then obviously there's like a lot of reports. Like, there's a report that came out in 20, uh, 2016. Uh, it was a declassified 28 pages where um, the CIA found that they had ties, the government funded the uh, the 9 11 uh, attacks. Like, they had ties. Obviously, like 15 out of the 19 uh, attackers are from Saudi, and there's never been any um trans like there's been never any action taken against the saudis because they buy the most amount of weapons from the u.s so that's such a dichotomy when people are banning seven countries seven muslim countries had nothing to do with 9-11 nothing to do with any kind of attacks in this country um so it's like very interesting how policies work um so 15 were from Saudi, two were from uh, the United Arab Emirates, and that's the link of, of Kuwait, the UAE, um, mm-hmm. and then one from Egypt and one from Lebanon. The, one of the biggest things that happened pre-9-11 was that the CIA and FBI wouldn't really share uh, their analysis. Like if they had a suspect, they wouldn't tell the other because other, they just wanted to show who has the bigger um knowledge right and they just right. wanted to get all the credits um so they knew about the 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 people who came and took flying lessons in florida and they had like a fbi informant that was like attending classes with the hijackers and they knew that you know they're not qualified to do this like taking classes they had like most of them had fake passports that was all saudi pass saudi funded so it's it's very interesting like what happened pre and then what happened post right because post 9-11 you had this crazy legislation which was called the AUMF which is the authorization for use of military force that got passed and this kind of changed everything because before that if you wanted to attack a country you would have to have debates in congress and after this uh this would give uh, unprecedented powers to the president to just attack whoever he deems to be a security risk. And that is, there was like one person who uh, did not want to pass that. Everyone else was just like unified, which is very, very bizarre to even think that that they didn't think this might have repercussions, right? Like how can you give so much power to one person without any kind of checks and balances? At that at that point, it felt like that was political suicide, right? Like, to say oh, no, for sure. and, people and, would be like, "Fuck that guy!" Right, right, and uh, and it is interesting, like the amount of courage you you might have to have to be like, "Okay, let's think about this," right? Like this right. is uh, this is a lot, a uh, lot. Um, so that got passed, and then you had the Patriot Act, which was all about just like taping and surveillance of your own citizens. Um, CIA and FBI got unprecedented um, funding to do anything they wanted, and which which was released in the uh, Snowden tapes. I'm not sure if you saw the Snowden documentary where uh, he talks okay. about the NSA and uh, how they did like sur- surveillance and all of that. So post, you know, 9-11, it was the first time when, you know, the, the, the NATO, the group of uh, allies that the U.S. have in the Europe and everywhere in the world, they passed 
all of them passed laws that were just just curated towards anti-terrorism acts like the New Zealand even passed one of these Canada Germany the UK but one thing of note that I found was super interesting was President Bush even after the attack went to the DC Islamic Center acknowledging how important American Muslims are he tried to unify the people 9/11 happened the AUMF and Patriot Act were the biggest things to happen in the US which kind of influenced so much of what happened policy wise uh military wise and then you had the Gitmo that got established Guantanamo which was not a thing before and it's interesting cuz like it, Guant- Guantanamo you can also call it as the human right violation camp cuz there's no there's waterboarding got um waterboarding was like widely used like the first time i heard of waterboarding i thought it was a it was a amusement park you know like a, <laughs> like a, i don't i didn't know what it was when i was a kid i was like what is waterboarding it sounds like a fun uh a fun ride but so but guantanamo bay existed before it just wasn't for like prisoners yeah because Guant- it was a base guantanamo bay is uh is a part is in the is in the coast of cuba yeah it's it's a it's a base but they didn't have uh uh, they didn't have the camp for prisoners, right. right? And they they did that because they weren't part of, I guess, U.S. laws, so they could do whatever they wanted. That was kind of the loophole right. they tried to create, and it has been there has been multiple resolutions in the U.N. that tried to you know shut down the camp. Obama's one of the key uh, policy or campaigning ideas or topic was that he's going to shut it down, but it still is open with 40-odd prisoners still there. So post-9-11, other things that were very crucial, the the relationship with Russia. Russia has been this you know, foe for like you know the entirety post-Second uh, uh, World War, but now they had a different a different enemy and so they they had this russia u.s offensive reduction treaty that they signed in 2002 which kind of made sure that they don't have uh, invest in more nukes because there's no point they already have 5,000, so they kind of stopped that their relationship with china was uh getting getting better as well because they're like oh let's like you know try to focus on afghanistan and iraq and obviously those wars are directly result of 9-11 and like sure. you know, everyone knows that and it's sp- still going on so the effects of that are still you're facing it today because even though it feels so far away uh, the afghanistan war is still going on parts of iraq are still occupied right and then the, the obama administration obviously tried to get away from iraq after uh, osama was killed but then that created a vacancy which it created isil or isis and that's when they went back again to fight them so like the effects of post 9-11 has been so dramatic right and in 2015, you had the Freedom Act, which finally stopped surveillance of the data that, that was being extracted from your phones. You could, the, the CIA and FBI can get access to it, but they would need a warrant. I don't know how true this all of is. Like, I feel like they still have a way of getting access to your data. What do you think about that? Like, do you, what, what, what is your take on privacy? I obviously watched The Social Dilemma after you recommended it. Man, it's hard, and um, this I feel like people are going to hate me after this podcast, but um, that's something that, like, I, I watched the Snowden documentary, and for whatever reason, um, a lot of that stuff does not grab me. It doesn't alarm me the way it does some people, and I know it should, 
but I kind of have this thing of like, uh, all right, they're reading our our shit, or somebody could read my shit. I I don't I don't know. Like the social, to me that that documentary, um, the social dilemma. That to me, the, my fear with um, social media is more that it's occupying my time and ba- brain space. That I spend four hours a day looking at this stuff, and I read until I get angry. That stuff bothers me. The government surveillance is a thing that I understand intellectually that I should be more upset about, and maybe it's my privilege not to be, but it just never uh, sink hooks into me to go, oh my God, this is insane. And honestly, maybe it's because I, I, I did experience 9-11. I do have this thing of like, well, there are people that want to kill us. And this is maybe a conservative um, viewpoint that I'm like, I want something going on. I, I'd rather feel like the government can read my emails that are usually like, hey, uh, let's meet in the park at three. <laughs> and I don't have to worry about somebody fucking blowing up the subway if somebody's interrupting a, a, an email or so. So, And I know that's a very um, conservative viewpoint, but that's how I've always felt. I'm sure you could make a really good case to me that would make me go, Jesus, that's horrible. I hate this. No, I think I am actually aligned with you in the sense that the social dilemma, like most of the things that I, because I work in the semiconductor space and kind of like was kind of exposed to like how things are being done with like pushing, you know, push notifications. And that that was like pioneering work by this economist who won the Nobel back in the yeah, back in the nineties and two thousand, where they were just trying to have you nudge stuff for better behavior, which kind of changed now to have to get more of your attention, right? So I, I think we are aligned on the sense that I also think social media can be dangerous because of the time I spent. I'm a big fan of transparency. I think everyone should know everything because when you do, that's when you're not ashamed. That's when you're not. Um, if you don't have anything to hide, then it's just like better. So what are you, you know? Um, so maybe it is also maybe a conservative view, but like I think there might there should be at some point maybe uh, AI which takes over and just like uh, monitors everything so that everyone is just like same playing playing field knows everything that's going on if they wanted to, and then people people who just like act better because like you know people act better when you have more eyes on you right that's just like not people on on in every every culture just like they're like oh someone's looking at me so i should behave shame has built into us right so i think i think it's a good thing when when people uh know more than less obviously you know no one no one no one i'm not talking about the the dick pics or whatever like no one no right. one cares about that but i think you know if you if you have nothing to hide then then you, you shouldn't have a problem with being tracked cuz like what are what are they going to do with it um except like probably targeting marketing but i don't buy anything i don't have the so i don't care Right, yeah, that that aspect of uh, social dilemma of like the the ads were being they're taking our whatever and selling us ads. I'm like, I I don't care that much if they're doing ads. I don't even buy anything off of there. Um, I just hate that you know. Again, it's like my my mood can be affected because I'm reading an argument between two people I don't even know and I'm like this guy's in it. and then I'm having arguments in my head or or I'm looking for more likes and I need those dopamines so I got to come up with something else to post that to me is um 
horrible. And then, of course, in Social Dilemma, which they talk about, uh, that's a huge problem, is that everyone's getting their own news and lives in uh, an echo chamber of getting told whatever they believe over and over again. Um, and it causes a huge divide. So that, that stuff is scary to me. But again, if, if, if terrorists are getting stopped because someone's reading their emails, I am okay with that. The other thing that was very interesting to me was the, that the stock market lost uh, $1.4 trillion after um, 9-11. And obviously it took like a few years for it to come back. And the parallels are not really there when it comes to COVID because the market right now is thriving. It's been one of the best. Like you know, After a month in May, April, that was down. But since then, it just came back up. I don't do you invest at all or um, No, I mean I have a um some kind of retirement. I'm so ignorant with this stuff. I have a retirement that I've sent money to to save money on taxes and I have a guy that does something with it. Mm. <laughs> uh, so I think my retirement is somehow wrapped up in the market, but right. I don't and uh, I feel ignorant about it, but some people have been like that's actually the best way to be invested is just whatever low stake stocks and don't even look at it or mess with it. So I don't even know what it looks like to be honest. Because people who try to beat the market are usually the ones who get beat. Right. So so I guess, uh, what are your final thoughts on post-9-11 era and what do you predict in terms of, you know, terrorism, wars in the next hundred years? Like, what are your predictions when it comes to America? Oh, God, that's heavy, man. Well, first of all, I, I started to worry that I'm in in some way uh disrespectful to the victims and the situation i i, I just um these are these are my experiences and thoughts and uh, obviously it was um we love you joe uh th- thank you a horrendous uh tragedy and i just picture all these people listening to this being like what a piece of shit listen to this guy so um it was horrible uh it's hard i'm like but it's strange because i look back and those Days after, and I was not directly affected. Uh, my family's all firemen, but they're firemen that were in Massachusetts. Uh, in those days afterwards, it really felt strangely like wonderful. Like I, I was, we were all watching sitting around the TV together, and then everybody was like united. I went to see John Mellencamp on September thirteenth, two thousand eleven. I remember he played um, Pink Houses, Ain't That America, and like the place was going crazy, and it everybody felt filled with like pride and all the the shows and the fundraisers and it was pretty um incredible i mean like george bush throwing the the that strike at the at the world series was like unbelievable and and the um you know the intercom and all that stuff uh was pretty amazing and it it strangely the days after 9-11 is probably the last time i was genuinely proud to be an american i felt actual pride of like we're fucking great, and uh, I don't feel that now. Now I feel genuine shame uh, to be an American. A lot of the time, um, there's obviously I love it. I would leave if I didn't love it. Yada yada, all those things. But oh, if you don't like it, leave. Like, what kind of a relationship are you? Like, what kind of a relation? You know what I mean? Like the t- most toxic relationship people will say that. Oh, if you don't like it, you can leave. Like, no, we are here to talk and talk it out. Like, I'm just going <laughs> to leave. Yeah, I'm like I don't want, I don't want to leave. I want to make it better. Um so th- yeah, that that was um uh, it was a strange time and I hope I don't know. I mean, there hasn't been 
uh, a, certainly a terrorist attack to that magnitude in, in a long time. Um, I don't know. I my my fears now are more with uh, climate change and civil war at this point than they are terrorists. But maybe that's because that's what's more uh, prevalent. It seems right now as we're talking. But um, I I hope that there are better days ahead. I have some hope because I have to contain hope, or else I'll you know I moved in a dark direction naturally. So. Um, I I hope for hope, and there's a the new generation coming up that hopefully um, will be less uh, divided and less addicted to their phones. I think maybe, um, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Is my answer my final answer? <laughs> I don't know, and I'm sorry for everything I've ever done and said. Um, I'll just I'll take my own life if anybody asks me to. <laughs> That was the end of our show today. If you like this podcast, you can support it by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast, and tell a friend. If you have feedback for the podcast, email that to AmericanizedPod at gmail dot com. Thank you so much for listening.